had cataract surgery in August, and it's kind of, I feel like sometimes I, I'm a little bit, my equilibrium is off, only had one eye done. I told the doctor that he and I didn't see eye to eye, and uh, I asked him why it was that I could hear the sound of a dog barking, but uh, he didn't think that was too funny. But anyway, we're glad to be here, and good to see our Brother Paul here tonight, and all of you, and Brother Marty, so many of you, we feel like you're just special friends to us, and I kind of debated tonight on what to use as our subject, and by the way, is my mic on? Is it on? You can tell it's on. We did have some requests, and I said that we would turn it on anyway, but a uh, little boy was sitting in school, and the teacher told him, she said, oh, you can't go to sleep in my class. He said, oh, yes, I could if you didn't talk so loud. But uh, so we're here tonight to maybe be a blessing. I remember the story of a young man went to school and his teacher had given, had given him a failing grade in his math. And he took his report card home and his dad was very agitated. And he said, we need to talk to the teacher about this. So he went over to the teacher and he said, Mrs. Brown said, why did you give my son a failing grade in his subject of mathematics? And she said, sir, I gave your son a failing grade because by law, that's the lowest grade I can give him. Well, we're here tonight and hopefully we can be a blessing. Take your Bibles, turn to the book of the Revelation chapter 2 and verse 4. Message here that I hope that the Lord will help us with tonight. I want to do my best for you. Look at Revelation chapter 2. I'll read four verses and you may stand for the reading of the word. Unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things saith he that holdeth the seven stars in his right hand who walketh in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil. And thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and have found them liars and hast borne and hast patience and for my name's sake has labored and hast not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Our Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God. May we be at our best for you tonight in Jesus' name and amen. When you think of the church at Ephesus, you may be seated, how that it's a preoccupied church, Smyrna, a persecuted church, uh, Pergamos, a lax church, Thyatira, a neglectful church, Sardis, a powerless church, and of course, Philadelphia, a, pres a persevering church, and of course, the seventh church at Laodicea, a lukewarm church. But I'm speaking tonight how we can know when we've left or lost our first love. How do you know it? I'm gonna be speaking primarily to Christians tonight and I want to thank you that you would come and sit where you are. Pat Buchanan, in his book, The Death of the West, 
He said, in half a lifetime, many Americans have seen their God dethroned, their country invaded, them, their culture polluted, their values assaulted, and themselves demonized as bigots and extremists for holding on to beliefs that Americans have held for generations. I am here to remind you tonight that time goes quickly. It really does. You may not think it, but it's the Bible compares it in various similes. It's compared to a weaver's shuttle, a vapor, a flower as grass. Life is fleeting. We know that. I think it was, I quoted this to Brother Marty today, that William Cullen Bryant was thoughtful about death. He almost got preoccupied with it. And a lot of you youngsters here have memorized this, I know, his poem on Thanatopsis. It means the good life. William Cullen Bryant said, So live that when thy summons comes to join the innumerable caravan which moves to that mysterious realm where each shall take his chamber in the silent halls of death, thou goest not like the quarry slave scourged to his dungeon at night, but sustained and soothed, approach thy grave like one who wraps the drapery of his couch about him and lies down the pleasant dreams. Sometime back, I was looking at contrasting viewpoints of death. I was thinking and I heard how that Steve Jobs when he was dying, he said, oh, wow, oh, wow. I don't know. Did it mean that he was in pain? Did it mean that he was seeing something? George Washington said, doctor, I am dying, but I'm not afraid to die. President Lincoln in Ford's Theater said, I'd like us to visit the Holy Land. We could go to Jerusalem. And at that point, he was shot by John Wilkes Booth. Clarence Darrow, the famous or the infamous defense attorney that was used to defend John T. Scopes at the monkey trial in Dayton, Tennessee in 1925 said this. While he was on his deathbed, he said, please intercede for me with the Almighty. During my life, I have spoken many times against Christians, and I now realize that I may have been wrong. Marilyn Monroe supposedly, at age 36, told Billy Graham, I don't need your Jesus. Michelangelo said, I die in the faith of Jesus Christ and in the firm hope of a better life. Supposedly, Desi Arnaz told Lucy, he said, honey, the very best to you on your next show. There have been people like Voltaire, the atheist, who sat up in his bed and the nurses were afraid to go to his bed. And one that observed his dying said that she would not watch a dying man like this again for the whole wealth of Europe. He said, I, by the time he had said, I'm, gone 
the Bible will be non-existent. That's what Voltaire said. But his last words were, I'm abandoned by God and man. I shall die and go to hell alone. Charles Spurgeon said, I can hear them coming. Don't you hear them? This is my coronation day. I can see the chariots. I'm ready to board. There is a difference in how people die, my friends. And I want to share with you tonight a little message on leaving our first love. We're going to go through this tonight, and then you'll be able to test yourself. You'll know whether or not you have left it. Are you willing to take the test? The first test that you can tell whether or not you have left your first love is when you are no longer consumed with the love of the Savior. When I got married, some of you can remember. Some of you haven't been married very long. I can tell. Uh, you still look wholesome. Uh, <laughs> one man came in and he saw his wife. Ladies, don't get mad at me because I've, I've got to tell some on the men too. But this man came in and he saw his wife in the garage and she was like this with the broom. And he said, honey, are you cleaning the area are getting ready to take a trip. Well, that's the wrong response. Now, let me ask you this question. I've been married 54 years. Do any of you remember what it was like when you were dating? Were you consumed with a love for your mate? Why was it that when we were dating, we would not allow men our date to walk over a broom straw. We'd say, oh, let me help you here. Later, after a few years of marriage and your bride is pregnant and carrying four loads of groceries, you'll say, honey, go ahead and open the door there. There gets to be a difference. I know when I got married, I was consumed with this love. I saw her. To me, she was beautiful. Still is. And I fell head over hill in love. I told my cousin the weekend that I saw Miss Shirley and I said, I'll marry her. Now I remember when I got saved, how that on that morning I was consumed with something that had been done in my life. I ask you today, do you know that you know that you're saved? Now I want to pick some holes tonight because it's very important. I want you to be able to answer in the positive and in the affirmative that everything is right between you and the Lord at the end of this service tonight. You see, on the scale of zero to 10, where does the meter fall on your love for Christ? When you got saved, it was way up there. You know why? It was the first experience. I remember that Sunday morning, how that, that burden of sin rolled away from my life. Somebody said, well, there's no feelings in salvation. You ought to say as far as you know. I'm not, feel, I'm not saved because I'm feeling okay, but I'm feeling good because I'm saved. 
Somebody say amen. I see a lot of people. Now, here it comes. Hold on tonight. You may have to get somebody's hand here in just a little bit. I, I want to tell you why I, on what I'm not going to heaven on, and I hope it's all right with you. First of all, I'm not going to heaven on the very fact that I recited a prayer. If you never saw yourself a sinner, if you've never seen yourself as separated from the holiness and the righteousness of God, if you've never seen yourself in the drudgery and in the degradation of sin, my estimation is you might ought to be saved. If there's no conviction, there's never no conversion. A lot of people say, well, I'm trying to hold on to hold out. Listen, salvation means it is done in Christ Jesus. I'm not doing to get saved. I told a man in Vermont the other day, a mountain man, he came to the little breakfast where we were. I don't know what got him there. I can say that God sent him. The man that knew him said he hadn't seen him in a long, long time. But he said, I saw the lights on. And he said, I thought I'd like to have breakfast. So everybody welcomed him. Dean is his first name. But he told me, he said, I know I'm going to heaven. I said, brother, do you mind to tell me how do you know? He said, I just know. He said, I know my mother's in heaven. I said, well, that's wonderful. How do you know that? He said, I just know. And I went on and I tried to treat him so gently. And I tried to treat him so courteously. I said, my friend, I would never be ugly, nor would I be abrasive with you. He had been in Vietnam. I'm not saying, but he told me that he had that uh, PSTD syndrome or whatever it is, post-traumatic syndrome. And uh, I said, my friend, as much as I admire people that have put their lives on the line, that have stood in harm's way for the defense of this great republic, I can only tell you I am so proud of your service, but that will not take you to heaven. Being a member of a fraternity, a sorority, being a member of a local service club will not take you to heaven. Being a good neighbor, doing good deeds, helping those that need help, and I'm all for that, but that's not salvation. You see, boy, I feel like preaching now. There was one that went to an old rugged cross for you. He died in your place. He was your substitute. I'll use a big word here. He was your propitiation. He was the satisfactory payment. He ransomed you. He paid for you. You've been bought with a price if you're saved. If somebody would ask you tonight in a local court, prove your salvation, what would you do? See, a lot of people, I'm telling you, what's not salvation? A lot of people think, well, I can recite the catechism. I know the Apostles' Creed. I've gone to church. 
I've always been faithful to a church. As a matter of fact, I like to give to a church, and that's wonderful. I believe that we should support the church with tithes and offerings. But by the same token, my brother, my sister, if you could buy your way, if you could pay for the liturgy, are you with me? If you could pay for redemption, Jesus died in vain. Oh, he that knew no sin. Brother, come here and help me just a minute. I want to get down here where I can preach just a little bit. He that knew no sin, he became sin for me and for you. The agony of the cross was more than just the lacerations. It was more than the obtusions. It was more than the stripes. It was more than the contusions. It was more than the abrasions. The agony of the cross was that Jesus Christ allowed a thrice holy God to look upon him as though he was a sinner. Can you count the blood of the covenant an unholy thing and do despite unto the spirit of grace? No, my friend. What is your answer to the blood? Has there ever been a place in your life where to the best of your ability, not because of the words you said, God doesn't save us because of the words. He saves us because of our faith in him. Has there ever been a place, I ask you the question, if the EMTs pass down this second row here, does everybody on this row know that you're all right with God? If that heart went like this and stopped, is everything for sure with you and God? Spurgeon said, heaven is glorious. Voltaire said, oh, I'm doomed for hell which will be your dying words. Every doctor from Mayo Clinic and Vanderbilt could be gathered by your bedside. Every podiatrist, every cardiologist, every person that knows about cancer or some other dreaded disease could be as close to you as a shirt on your back or the gown ladies upon your body And that still wouldn't be close enough. Man, I feel like preaching. I'm glad tonight that I know one that sticketh closer than a brother. I'm glad tonight. See, we've had so much of this across the land and the country. The easy believism that is doing us great harm. People have gotten into churches with no salvation. It's Listen, it's hard to be a Christian if you're not one. It's hard to be a Christian if you're not one. See, I can't golf. You know I can't golf. I tried to go one time, and on my first outing, I shot 95. But the guys wouldn't play the second hole. (laughs) And so as a result, I don't golf. How are you consumed with the love of your Savior? 
How often do you ever tell him, oh, Jesus, I felt so condemned today, Brother Marty. You don't know how condemned I felt. I thought, man, have I been praying enough lately? We'd been having such a good time, but I finally called Brother Martin, Marty. I said, Brother Marty, there's a friend or a man that I know. He's not necessarily a friend category, but his son is in desperate condition, and they've asked for prayer. Brother Tim Raines. Somewhere his dad's a pastor next to Cincinnati, Ohio. I said, let's pray for him. How long has it been since you told him that he was your dearest friend? I was eating supper. We call it supper in Florida. And these folks know I like old country cooking. That's just all I am. I tell Brother Marty this all the time. I'm just fried bologna. I really am. Just spam, Vienna sausage, beanie weenies, all that stuff is good for you. Hey, listen, you can't eat just salads, I'm telling you. They'll kill you. Yeah. you, you. <laughs> but we were there, now. here's the point. Here's, here's where it's going to get tough. You, some of you are not sitting quite close enough. You need somebody to help you. I, this lady told me after supper, she said, well, I worship kindly, quietly, inwardly, introspectively. Kindly, I'm not out with my emotions. I didn't mean to be smart. I said, ma'am, do you show your husband the same kinds of attitudes? <laughs> See, when I got married, if my wife would have been stranded in Lexington, Kentucky with eight inches of snow, my wife-to-be, I would have said, Honey, I'll be there. You leave the driving to me. I'll be there. Don't you worry. I'm on my way. If I have to get a snow plow to go in front of me, I am on my way. I was consumed. Consumed. What does that mean? C-O-N means with in Latin. Soon, total. I was totally with. I told Brother Marty the other day the definition of a contemporary. Contemporary means con, to con somebody with something that's temporary. I, love it. I was consumed. Could I help it? No, I couldn't help it. She, my love. Boy, she was pretty. I wanted to see her. Man, listen, you're not going to keep me away. Now, what is it that keeps us away from the house of God? Mm. What keeps us away from church? We'll say, oh my, some people would be late if they lived in the parking lot. <laughs> I'm simply saying this. Have we lost being consumed? You know, the people, I've got to say this about mountain people. They may not be as sharp to some people as they are. They have their own grammar. They have their own language. But I tell you, a lot of them are in love with the Savior. That's right. yes, sir. They, don't, they don't know the king's English. They just know the king. <laughs> they may get up and mix up subjects and verbs. They may say, well, it hoped me a lot instead of helped or something like that, and I'm not saying that derogatorily. I'm just simply saying, do you love the Savior tonight? Amen. On zero to 10, 
You put your own scale there. I wish you could write it down. We're going to take the end of the test. How close are you to a 10 tonight? Does church mean anything to you? Do you ever feel anything down on the inside when they're singing the songs of praise? Does something ever sputter underneath here somewhere? Somebody said, well, I don't believe in all that emotion stuff. Well, you may not fit in in heaven. There's going to be some praising going on there. Somebody said, well, I just kind of am dignified. Nobody, listen, nobody's going to go to heaven and say, God, this is kind of nice. What? Who would have thought? You've kind of outdone yourself. A street of gold. You know what you're going to do, my brother? You want to know? Sure, you want to know. May I tell him? Okay. You know what you're going to do, my brother? You'll bow at his feet. You'll thank him. You'll say, Lord God, you're worthy. Thank you for what you did for me. Thank you for marvelous grace that I didn't deserve. A little girl was looking up at her mama one time, and she noticed that her mother had some ridges and scars all over her hands, and the mother saw it. And she said, oh, honey, I know my hands don't look very good said all these scars and so on. But she said, when you were a baby, our house caught on fire and I reached right in to take you out of the fire. The little girl stood there and she said, oh, mommy, those are beautiful star scars. I wish somebody would shout right now. I'm here to tell you that one day we'll thank him. We'll say, Lord God Almighty, thank you for those scars. Amen. Nobody's going to go to heaven. Wait, wait, wait. I want you to look at me right now. Nobody's going to go to heaven like this. Nobody's going to go up there and say, well, I'm just kind of an observer. (laughs) You can know that you've left your first love when you're no longer consumed with a love for your Savior. A lot of people, even in marriage, they've drifted away before they realize they've drifted away. They say in marriage that communication is very important. Some marriage, one person does more talking than the other. But there's still communication. Help me, help me. Does there have to be communication between you and the Savior? Thank you, my brother. I'm not asking, please don't even tell me how long has it been since you thanked him. Let's go to the second one here. How do I know when I've left my first love? Not only am I no longer consumed with my Savior, two, sin no longer convicts me. I can go and why if I want to stay out of church, why, pastor, it was 64 degrees. I just can't navigate well until it's about 68. (laughs) Why, pastor, I I thought I might have to get up just a tad early in the morning. I'm taking a hearing test and I set up for it tonight. 
Am I? Am I still on track? Somebody help me. Yep. Why is it that we can get away now with the things that used to bother us? Brother Parmar and his dear wife are great friends of all of us. And I think about his ministry back there in India and wonderful work, no doubt that he did. I'm thinking tonight, and he asked the question, what do you see, brother, as you travel the country in other churches? See, the Tocqueville in 1820 came to America, the Frenchman. He said, when I came to America, I knew that America would be great because America's good. And if it ever ceases to be good, it'll cease to be great. He said, I found the strength of America. Where was it in its infantry, infantile mercenaries, uh, factories and so on? Was it in her agricultural? Was it in her ability to produce things? He said, no. I saw America's strength when I went out into the villages and the hamlets. Yeah. And I saw preachers preaching a flame with fire on righteousness and judgment to come. I believe it was Leonard Ravenhill that said, Preachers, if your sermons have no fire on them, put the sermons in the fire. Amen. Does sin bother any of us? Somebody said, well, it don't bother me. It's like a guy that doesn't like to work. He said he could go and lie right down beside it. It may not be the things that we're doing oftentimes as much as the things that we're not doing. Yeah. A major problem is a minor problem that didn't get corrected. Yeah. I need to say that one again. Yeah. I can tell that struck home. A major problem is a minor problem that didn't get corrected. Amen. See, you could, that's good. See, a major problem becomes major just like with our families. We lighten up here, we lighten up there. First thing you know, the family's dysfunctional. It's in disarray. It's broken. It's split. The Bible said, how can a house divided against itself stand? Righteousness exalteth a nation. Except Lord keep the city, they that build it labor in vain. Remove not the ancient landmarks which thy fathers have set. We're doing that systematically across the land and the country. We're doing away with our regard for life. We're doing it away with our regard for the church. The church has just become another thing to a lot of people. I'm going to tell you something here tonight. If your salvation, boy, this is good. If your salvation will not get you to church, I have my doubts if it will get you to heaven. Yeah, come on. That's good. That's good, brother. I'm here to tell you tonight, if you have no regard, no desire to go to the church, if it becomes a burden rather than a blessing, something is wrong. Yeah. See, every time Brother Marty has told me that he's going to take me out somewhere to eat, I never said one time, oh, why do you have to go? Why do I have to eat that six-ounce sirloin that's so perfectly tender and juicy? 
and that tater soup I got tonight. See, I told the girl, I said, you've got to call stuff by its name. You can't get the same effect by calling it potato soup. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I'm with you. See, there, this brother here, I got a witness right here. You've got, you've got to call it by its name. You can't call it pumpkin pie, uh, like as though you were talking to the British monarch. You've got to call it pumpkin. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. See, there, I got another witness right up here. Something is wrong when we can go and play the lottery. Come on. It never bother us. Come on. Something is wrong when we never want to read our Bible. I've not been able to read lately, and I feel condemned already. I've been listening to it on my Bible. There's an app called Gateway Bible app, and I put it on there in the King James Bible. I get the dramatized reading. Boy, it's been a help and a comfort to me. Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against God. Does the preaching move anybody? It's by the foolishness of preaching to save those which are lost. Amen? Amen? Amen. A little bit louder. Amen? Amen. Yes, sir. He'd been, amen. He'd been called to preach. I know. My point is this. When does sin no longer convict you? Do you can you stay out of church? Can you fail to read the Bible? Somebody said the other day, went up to a guy and said, well, I was talking to your friend. Said He said he hadn't heard from you for a while. The guy said, who was it? He said, Jesus. That's good. And thirdly, I want to get down to the third one. I've only preached just a little while here. When the Savior's love is no longer makes you consumed with it, when sin no longer convicts you, and then thirdly, when the second coming no longer concerns you. That's good. That's good, brother. The second coming no longer concerns you. Why? My family's going to be all right. Do they go to church? Well, yeah, like that man told me Saturday at the breakfast, he said, I'm going to heaven. And you would have been well tried to try to tell him otherwise. He finally told one of the men, he said, I think you all are making fun of me. We tried to assure him that we weren't, that he was welcome. We hoped he would come again. I even sent him a personal report. I saw him later. Happened to just run into him, coming down there with his dog, and he lives alone in a little cabin with a mattress on the floor. And he was telling me about hunting, and boy, it was interesting. He was telling me how about the bear follow certain patterns. And deer, he said, they're just not out there wandering around in the woods. He said, they're going the pattern that their forebears went way years ago before them. He said, if a bear crosses a creek at a certain place and it's done that in its past, it will cross there if it has to come to your front porch. That's where they cross. There's something in the DNA. He said, they can't see very good. But said, my, can they smell? Can they hear? And all like that. And boy, it was so interesting. I applauded him. I wanted him to feel good. But I didn't want him to go away feeling that because he was an individualist and because he was kind of a mountain man, and there's nothing wrong with that, 
that he was going to somehow go to heaven. He told us at the end, he said, I know I'm going to heaven. And we tried to get him out of him. Why? And he would never tell us. There's a lot of people in churches across America that would argue to their dying day, why am I going to heaven? And you could ask them about it, and they can't give you a valid reason. Just can't tell you. Something is wrong, my brother. If we have a thousand people that say they accepted Christ and only 20 of them show up for church, something is wrong. You can make out of it whatever you want to. I'm not making salvation hard. It's by grace through faith that we're saved. It's the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. The Bible said, for God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. The Bible said in Philippians 1 and 7, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus. I want to show you something here tonight if I can't. If I told you that I was going to make something out of this right here, and you say, well, what is in there? And I said, well, it's going to be something. You wait and see. And we start with this. If six months from the day I show you and you say, well, what's that? I said, well, I said I'm going to make something out of it. You see me six years from now and you say, well, what's in there? I said, well, I said we're going to make something out of it. You'd finally say, let's go ahead and make it. All right. I want to show you something. Do you think that when Christ starts with your life that he gets up to here and stops You see it? How about let's go a bit farther. He said, he that hath begun a good work in you will perform it. What did he say? Will perform it? Does that mean that God will do what he set out to do? If you are saved, what's he saying? You've been predestined to be conformed to the image of his son. Amen. Amen. You've been saved not because of your works, but you've been saved to do some good works. Amen. Now, here it is. We start out here. Now, what if I go back here and you go around the neighborhood and once again, you tell everybody that here's where I am. And you say, boy, am I not doing good? You're 80 years old. What's people going to say? I don't think that looks so good. But if when they see it, they see the finished thing up here, the tapestry, interwoven by people of skill, people that made it perfectly, that the threads and the threads per square inch are right on place, that a master craftsman has designed it and made it finished. You can say, why? How beautiful. One day, boy, this is good. I want you preachers to get this. One day, the God of heaven will say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. I want to give you three things, and boy, I want you to get this here. You young fellows are going to preach on this one of these days. I'm serious. You will. When Christ was on the cross, these are three M's, and you can write them if you wanted to. It was a crown. He wore a crown of misery. He was rejected, despised of men. Today, it is a crown of majesty. 
He's interceding for us. Now, my brother, I love you, buddy. I tell you, I do. What does it mean when it says that he will wear many crowns? Well, does it mean that Christ will have a million crowns like this, trying to balance them? I don't think so. A good friend, a, pa a pastor evangelist, Ricky Gravely, helped me with this in Kingston, Tennessee. And here's, you know Brother Gravely? Brother Gravely is a great preacher. And here's what he said, I think it means. Are you ready for this? You're not ready. I can tell some you're not ready. Good. <laughs> here's the many crowns. He said, how do I know that the time will come when the angels or the seraphims or it'll be announced in the heaven of the heavenlies, in the third heaven where God is, that the announcement goes out, the Lord Jesus Christ is now wearing the crown of Lester Roloff. The Lord Jesus Christ is now wearing the crown of Marty or Martin Schott. The Lord Jesus Christ is now wearing the crown, crown of Andrew Phipps. Will I have to hang my head in shame and be ashamed? Will it be that I have no trophies to give him? See, a lot of saved people, they think I'm saved but that's the end of my responsibility. I got in, but I'm telling you, my friend, we're saved to help others get saved. Amen. We're to take the gospel to the ends of the earth. Do you believe that tonight? Amen. Does the second coming mean anything to you? I want to close with this tonight. Miss Shirley told me, and she told Miss Sonny that she dreamed about our son, John Clay, last night. And she told me a while ago, she said, Honey, I still am dreaming about John Clay. And he was our youngest, six years old. He had a medulla blastoma, a malignant brain tumor. We lost him to that cancer. And it was a horrible thing that she had to go through. But I'm telling you, I told Brother Marty or somebody today, it won't be long now until I'll be joining him. For the for the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel and with the trump of God and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. Wherefore comfort one another with these words. P.P. Bliss wrote this great psalm in 1875. He said, man of sorrows, what a name for the Son of God who came, ruined sinners to reclaim. <laughs> Hallelujah, what a Savior. Bearing shame and scoffing rude, in my place condemned he stood. Seal my pardon with his blood. Hallelujah, what a Savior. Guilty, helpless, lost were we, Blameless Lamb of God was he, sacrificed to set us free. Hallelujah. What a Savior. Here's the last verse that I'm closing. When he comes, our glorious King, all is ransomed, home to bring. Then anew this song we'll sing. 
Hallelujah. What a Savior. One day is coming. Are you still watching? Are you still hoping? Are you still concerned about his coming? Would you stand with us tonight? I have asked you three questions. On a scale of zero to ten, what is your consumption or being consumed for the Savior? No one looking. How many of you say, I believe it's at least a six or a seven? Would you raise your hand up? How many say, I think it's less than five? How about, how long does sin convict us? You say, boy, it really upsets me, preacher. How many say, I'm way above a five, a note? I may say, I may not be quite there yet. I may way be down in the corner somewhere. And then thirdly, am I concerned about the second coming? How many of you say, I'm so concerned that I know I'm over a seven or an eight or somewhere in there? How many say, I'm way below that? Now, one last thing. How many of you knew right now, if, you, if we call the EMTs and before they could arrive with sirens blazing and lights flashing, how many say, I just know that I know that I know that it's all right with my soul. Would you hold that hand up? Would you hold that hand up? How high is it? Can we put it up high? Not ashamed of the gospel. Not ashamed of the gospel. All right, God bless you tonight. Our Father in Jesus' name, thank you, Lord, for this day. Thank you for this time to preach. We give you praise in Jesus' name and amen. What I'd like to do tonight is this. All of you have been...